Welcome to Turmeric and Tequila with your host, Kristen Olson. Questioning a better way, one gracefully disruptive conversation at a time. Hi guys, welcome to Turmeric and Tequila. I'm excited to be with you here today. This is a special one. It's just you and I, and we are going to be talking about running 48.6 miles in four days. That's right. If you listen to episode 200, I told you I had signed up for what we what is called the Dopey Challenge. It's at Disney World in Florida. It runs through Epcot, Disney World, uh, the Wild Animal Kingdom, then some, a bunch of the road and the whole thing. It's 48 miles in four days. It's a 5K the first day. It's a 10K the second day. It's a half marathon the third day. And it's a full marathon the fourth day. So the you can run any single one of those races by, by themselves. So a 5K, a 10K, a half, a full or you can do a 5K, a 10K, a half, and that's the Goofy Challenge, or you can do what I did, the Dopey Challenge, 5K, 10K, half, full in four days. We are going to talk about it. I'm excited to talk about this one because I learned so much more than I did about running, or I did. A, I, I learned so much more about life than I did about running. I'm obviously a longtime athlete. We've, we've run before. We played lacrosse in college, so running was not new to me, but I have not run, especially not competitively, in probably like 10 to 15 years, maybe longer. I did a half marathon in 2006-ish, I want to say, so not long after college with some friends that I played lacrosse with. We did a, a half marathon in Nevada, and I think I did it in a couple hours. I have no idea. I think we trained a little bit for that, but not really. So it had been a lot of time, and in CrossFit, we don't do a ton of running, anything outside of Murph, where there's a mile at the beginning of the workout and a mile at the end. That's probably the longest running workout I've done in a really long time. So this was not only out of the box, it was way out of the training box. So I really want to talk about just signing up to do hard things. If you listen to episode 200, I talked about the importance of doing hard things things. And let me be clear, these are things in life you get to choose that are tough challenges, you know, um, stuff with work, you know, any sort of challenge you choose to take on. Of course, there are things in life we don't get to choose relationships, family, health, stuff that is is big. This is focusing on doing on hard things that we actually get to choose. And that practice of choosing to do hard things, races, challenges, whatever, that's what trains us for the stuff we don't get to choose. So I'm excited to unpack this one and really encourage everyone to get out there to sign up for something. I'm going to break down all the angles of this, um, you know, what the marathon was, why the strategy for training, recommendations, my fueling, my shoes. I'll break it all down for you. And then, of course, my biggest lessons at the end, I really kind of like two to three things that were major takeaways that were really nice to learn. And then some of it was relearning just being a competitor and a competitive athlete in a long time. I hadn't been on a competitive stage uh, of this magnitude, at least in my mind, because it was so, it was more of the length of the challenge and the actual challenge itself. Running to me is very straightforward. CrossFit, you kind of don't know what's going to happen. You don't know the workout sometimes, especially at the you know games levels. You just have to be ready for anything and you don't know any idea what it's going to be. And same with lacrosse or sports, like you can prepare and plan and read a playbook and have plans and scout the other team, but really you don't know how it's going to go. So running for this, you know, I had a very strategic plan and it's, it was really putting one foot in front of the other. So that made it a little more comfortable for me that there was not a ton of surprises outside fueling or health of my body, that kind of stuff, but we were ready for that. 
So we'll break down all the angles, but please listen into the end where there are the major takeaways that I think whether you're a runner, an athlete or not, just as a human and a human that's, I'll say aging and evolving as we get older and do stuff. I think these are some really good lessons just to take to heart that you're probably learning, even if you're not signing up for stuff, we just have to take a minute and pause and recognize that they're happening. So as I said, this is a, it's primarily like the start and beginning was at Epcot. So I flew into Orlando on, I believe it was the second and we started on the third. So all of the, the running in the race itself was one thing, but all of the like getting into town, waking up early, the logistics around it were tough. I would almost say, I'm not gonna say it's harder than the running, but it was pretty brutal. You need to get there a day early and coming from Denver, there's a two hour time change. It's a three hour flight. So that's five hours. So I had to come a day early. I didn't get in time to get from the airport to the registration place, which is different than the race place to get my bib. So I had to go early the next morning and that, and you already need to be there every single morning. You're getting up at 3am, but you got to really be checked in by four and every single race starts at 5am. And again, this is Orlando time. So in Colorado, we're two hours earlier. So that's actually 1 a.m. our time. So there was a lot with this race that I didn't really realize until after I had signed up. But once we're in it, whatever, we'll, we were in it. So you go and I get into Orlando, get my hotel. And I had a group going with me, but I chose to just get my own room and do my own thing because some of the other people that were going that I knew were not running the four days. They were just doing one of the challenges singularly. And a couple of people were, but I didn't know them. And they were sharing a house. I didn't know. Just being a competitive athlete, I knew I'd want my space. I had recovery tools and I kind of had my schedule I was really going to stick to. And not having been a competitive runner, done a race in a long time, I didn't know what to expect. So I was pretty dialed in on all the extras that go around it. So we get into Orlando, uh, unpack, whatnot go to bed right away, get up at 3am the next day, get in an Uber. I was glad we're in a major city. So Ubers are available. Go over to the place where the bibs are. They were registering there. It was different than the place where the race started. So we went to one place and then went to Epcot, got there super early. So that was cool. Got my bib. It really wasn't a big deal. I will say Disney is wildly organized. They run these things like machines, but it is like 3.30 in the morning. It's dark out. It feels like the night. You don't really know what day it is. And there's thousands of people everywhere. I'm used to, you know, lacrosse or CrossFit. There's like, I don't know, maybe one to 200 of us competing. So it's not like a cattle herd of humans and logistics and tents and da da da. But we get there and where they drop you off from the Uber, it's like a good, I don't know, half a mile to a mile walk to where the race station is. So you're already warmed up. The first day was a 5K, so I wasn't really stressed about it. Get in and it's, you. Get, I got my bib and I walked over to like where they heard you to start. And then that's a whole process. You kind of funnel into a space where you're going to start with your group. And it's like A, B, C, D groups. I was in A and we then go group by group to the start line. So everything is a process to even start. So the 5k is like two something or three something miles. I don't know. Short. So let's go with that. And so I was pretty open-minded and I wasn't pressed. My strategy for this whole thing was really to pace everything, listen to my body, but really do um, 30 seconds of running, 30 seconds of walking consistently for the whole thing. And if I felt better, I was going to kick it up a notch, but I was a little bit hesitant. And throughout this race, it is, it's more of a fun one than like a competitive one. There's Disney characters and all kinds of things. You can stop in the middle of the race and take pictures. I didn't love that. I wanted to just, if I was going to do something, I wanted to start, get to the end and like get ready for the next day. Cause it's four days in a row, but I did try to slow down and know that, you know, I'm not doing this for time. Like I'm doing it more of just like a survival and completing the days, which was also a really hard mindset for me as a CrossFitter. Cause you, you can't, 
not compete essentially. And I had, you know, older people, younger people, you know, people that didn't look like they'd ever played a sport in their life running right by me. So it was a weird note that I did just check the ego, check everything, stay humble and commit to the cause because we had four days of this. Tried to enjoy the first day and run to the characters. I got a few pictures. You got to see Epcot at night. It was pretty cool. So day one was fun because you're new to it and you didn't really get it, but it's, it's, it's a quicker race. You get to the end, met some people, people are drinking beers at like, I think it was 4 30 or 5 a.m. in the morning in the dark. The sun wasn't even up yet. And we were done with the race. So it was, it was cool. It was a cool vibe. They give you some snacks, you go home and then you kind of just get ready for the next day. And I went to bed, I went home and I had my strategy getting into the race, very strategic. So we were going to wake up early in the morning, get there, get there early, get in our space. You know, there's lines for bathrooms and all that. So we budget time for that and then do the actual race and then get home, get on. I had some compression boots that I packed and uh, I would sit on those. I really tried to limit gluten and dairy because those are inflammation situations. And I didn't, I was going to try and combat any sort of inflama inflammation because my left knee, I had an ACL reconstruction surgery in 2000. Uh, one so a long time ago, but it's still kind of inflames and not having run as much as uh, you really probably should too when training for this. I was nervous mostly about that knee just flaring up. So we tried to control all the controllables that we could. Cut out dairy for the most part. Cut out gluten. I did eat some bread. It was also hard because I was in a hotel room. All I had is a fridge. I didn't have a microwave or anything else. So packed a lot of my food, like oat bars and like cleaner snacks you know, low sugar added like those squeeze packs, like a bunch of fruit, like as much natural clean stuff as I could that I could eat in a room that wasn't a bunch of preservatives. So got home over that first day, second day, I got up, it was the um, 10K. So you knew it was a little longer, but not sweating it. Similar strategy, got there early, wasn't as stressed, I didn't have to eat my bib this day. Completed that, you know, I was thinking my body's feeling fine, my knee's not feeling, you know, too swollen, we're good you know, got there, took some pictures, enjoyed it. I really, again, was not racing these fast. It was 30 seconds on, maybe a minute. I, I would jog here and there, took pictures, enjoyed it. And they were taking me about like an hour, way more than it would take if I went and jogged you know, three miles or whatever. And then the third day was the half marathon. We experienced some really incredible rain weather. So that was not awesome. They shortened the course to seven miles. So that was a major bummer. So as we were pulling up that morning, you know, for those of us doing the dopey challenge, it's not going to count if you're not really doing all those miles. So we were literally running miles and circles in the parking lot. And I was glad to see other people doing it because that was going to bug me if we didn't actually get all the miles in. And then, you know, we get these medals and the whole thing. And it's not really true. So we logged three miles, literally circling in the parking lot. It's awesome when you're paying all this money to do a race and you're in Disney's parking lot doing circles. And then a couple miles after the race. So that one was brutal because it was cold. It was rainy. It was dark. And this, it was a lot of it was the same course. And then some of it, they had you run out just onto the street. And so it wasn't even in the parks. I didn't, I'm not a huge Disney person anyway. So like I was doing this because I knew people that were doing it, but I'm not, I like it. It's cool, but I'm not really excited to take pictures with characters and adults without their kids at Disney. I thought was kind of a weird thing. So I don't know. Maybe I just don't get it, but did it. We enjoyed it for what it was, but I don't know if I'd do it again, knowing a lot of it, you're just jogging in the dark up and down a street. And then it's so early in the morning, whatever. So the final day comes, we're fine after half marathon. We logged all the miles, even though the race wasn't that long. And the big day was that Sunday, uh, got there early, did the boots, concentrated on my fueling and all the things there. And I'll break down all this stuff too. I just wanted to give the synopsis of the race up front and paste it out. There's just some things that I wish I would have known if I did this again, or even just a half of just a marathon that I would have leaned into a little bit more. Number one was packing extra batteries for my earphones. Cause when that, 
when those went out, I had my 30 seconds on 30 seconds off timer going. So when they went out, I had to just do it in my head. And I think I went way slower than I thought. And I was walking way too much, but, and I felt fine. So I didn't, I was stuck in a spot of like, God, I feel fine. Maybe I should just go, but I don't, you know, I feel fine at mile 10 or mile seven. How's I going to feel at mile 20? And I had heard when you hit mile 20, that's like when you hit a wall. So I was really preparing for like that to be the worst. I didn't want to like overextend and then just not be able to finish. That was kind of like the driving fear. But then in my athletic mind, you know, I've competed a lot. I know my body. I know when I'm going to hit a wall. I felt okay. So I I did the 38 seconds on 30 seconds off, right around mile. And when I hit mile 20, I was fine. I was talking on the phone. People were calling me and I was always okay. And I was fueling. It felt long, but not that bad. And there's a lot going on. There's music. They do a lot of things for entertaining you, but I was pretty focused. It did start to rain at mile eight. So you're soaked. My feet are wet. Everything's soaked. I did start to pee really fast and hopefully like the rain would pass, but we were all just soaked. So your feet are just right. You're running in wet shoes and you're just wet for the rest of the race. You started to drop a little bit. At least the sun had finally, well, it was up, but it wasn't out. It was light out and come like got to mile 20 felt fine. And I was like, I'm okay. So like right about mile 21, if you're watching my social media, I was like, we're just going to slug this caffeine gel and hit it. And I ran as fast as I could. And that's, again, these are like still, I think 12, 13 minute miles. So not fast <laughs> given that I just run 20 miles and all the miles the days preceding, but as fast as I could just kept the flow. Didn't do the walking at all until I crossed the finish line. And it was awesome. It was great. You, you know, dishes were done, goal completed. There was so many incredible experiences around just seeing other people there in full costume, older, younger, like I said, more fit, less fit. And you can't even judge a book by its cover because everybody ran by me in all those categories. There was a dude that was probably around my age in Tevas and no socks. He ran by me. I'm like, I don't know how your body, your joints don't hurt running in Tevas and it's wet out. So I don't know how your toes aren't frozen. I, there was, you saw everything. And there was people that really looked like, like it hurt them to even walk that completed it. There was people that were coming out of chemotherapy that were running phenomenally well. So there was just so many inspiring stories. I knew that however hard I thought this was for me, I was extraordinarily privileged because I had a warm room to go back to, all the recovery stuff, all my fuel dialed in. I was for the most part by myself so I could do whatever I wanted. Like the whole focus was on me and I'm, you know, 98% pretty darn healthy, bum knee-ish. Some days we try and give it good language. So we'll say a knee in, in work, but you know, I didn't, I really didn't have a lot to complain about. So I really try to just keep mind, gratitude on the mind and keep positive. Like I was listening to podcasts and just some positive music and things and just trying to really absorb the move the moment because it was so much time with myself and thinking and staying in it and just and you're a Disney world. So it's this is this wild moment of like, where am I and how did I get here? There's like Donald Duck on my right, the Magic Kingdom's on my left, and there's adults dressed as Jack Sparrow. And this girl ran by me, I'll post a picture holding two churros and a latte. And I'm like, what? <laughs> What am I doing wrong here? Everyone's running by me and it looks like they're like drinking tequila and, and crushing beers and eating donuts. So hats off to my fellow <laughs> contestants. Y'all crushed it. So it was a really great race. I learned a lot. I just wanted to give upfront that quick experience on it. I'll talk a little more about it, but uh, I'll talk also about my strategy and training. And I think that these are some really good takeaways if you're just taking on any sort of challenge on what I would do. But if you're specifically looking to do any sort of race, a 5k, 10k, half full, whatever, or this kind of challenge, do it. And if you can't run, then walk or then bike or walk or swim, do it. Find something that you can do and lean in. There's all kinds of stuff out there for all levels, all abilities. This was a super inclusive race. Again, it was so inspiring. They had a whole, I think they called it um, a wheel team with people on wheelchairs and walkers and all levels of abilities competing the race. And it was just super inclusive. And they 
they were really intentional about the course. It was really cool. So I give it a gold star for Disney for that. So my strategy, I knew I signed up for this race early. I think it was earlier last year. So I had plenty of training time. But of course, about eight weeks out, I was like, I better start actually training. And I was training for a couple competitions in CrossFit and stuff. So I had a baseline of fitness, but it wasn't running specifics. So right about, it was about the 12 week mark, I started running and my body was not used to it. So that first run was not great. And I was wearing my two trackers, the whoop and the Fitbit, and it could kind of tell my output on these runs. And so right away, it was like the equal output that I do normally for like a uh, three workout competition day in CrossFit. So that's, that's usually a high output. So if I'm running, you know, five to six miles and it's equal to like a whole competition CrossFit day, that means we need to get in running shape. So the first day was brutal and my body just didn't feel it. Like the knee didn't feel good. I just didn't feel like it was comfortable. So if you're new to running and it just feels uncomfortable, stay with it. Your body will get used to it. Just keep showing up, start small. I would do the walk run situation right from the get go and then just do a slow pace from there. This was by no means a race, even though it was literally a race. It was just about survival for me. So I was just keeping a good pace and making sure, you know, my form was pretty good. My body was even, and I was conscious of like how I was feeling overall. No point did I feel injury, but there was definitely stuff that was feeling uncomfortable. So if you're uncomfortable, stay in it and just your body, my body did adjust to it. And if it's injured, you need to go see somebody. So two different things and you'll know the difference. So I started training about 12 to eight weeks out and i was just doing on monday wednesday fridays were my train days they had suggested i think it was mon or tuesday thursday saturday but saturdays the parks around colorado are super crowded and i'm usually have a bunch of stuff to do on the weekends between dogs and plans and events and podcasts and whatever so i did monday wednesday friday and i made wednesday my big long days since those are normally the days i release podcasts on my computer a little bit less i have a little bit more time blah 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 so I did three miles on Mondays, three miles on Fridays, and then a long run in the middle. I didn't follow the formal training program. Maybe some people do, but I did want to also keep some CrossFit in my life. So on the Mondays and Fridays, since they were short runs, I would just run near my CrossFit gym and then go straight to CrossFit and do a lighter version of that. I was trying to let go of some muscle just to lighten up for my joints a little bit and quote unquote lean out again, just getting lighter. I don't like losing muscle. There's a whole podcast there, but not even for just being strength and vanity reasons, but it is really good for bone density, metabolism. Like you want to maintain lean muscle mass. So those Wednesdays, those long days, I just picked a lake near me, Sloan's Lake, and I added a lap. It's just under three miles a lap and added a lap every Saturday. So I did not make the training a bunch of brain damage and get really complicated. I just did you know, as much as my body could handle, I went and saw a chiropractor that I know really well and like, and saw him, you know, once, once a week for the most part, kind of sometimes every other week and just to check in and stretch. And he happens to be a phenomenal marathon runner. So I would get like Intel on what to do next from him each week for about eight weeks. I was adding, you know, it was like three, six, nine, 12, 15. I think the longest one I did was just over 20. And I felt okay. I actually think I felt that one was harder than the marathon day. So that's how much I underpaced the actual marathon. But I didn't train doing, again, all those races leading up to that marathon. So I didn't have a radar on how hard to push. So I think I did a good job training. My, my suggestion there would be like, just pick something that works for you and then go pick somewhere that's easy to track. The other part of this was if you have to go track miles and things, like unless you have a course or someone that's laying it out for you, it's kind of a pain to go pick distances or just to go out there and run until you're done. That didn't really work for me. Like I needed a lake or a circle or something that was long enough to where it wasn't monotonous. 
but it could just give, it give me some sort of inline when I knew I was going to be completed for that day. The hardest part for me was not suffering through the actual workout or doing the work. Showing up for it was not, you know, super pumped about running for five hours, but it was just the chunk of time that was really hard to dedicate, you know, three, four or five hours on those long ones. That was a huge chunk of the day. And I would always try and, you know, the earlier you start, the better. So it doesn't feel like it takes the entire day. But it's a huge piece of the puzzle. It is, however, phenomenal training just to get out there and to do it and commit time to it. So that was good. And alongside aches and pains, I, you know, I took a little bit of anti-inflammatories. I'm always taking turmeric, as you can guess. But I tried to stay away from, you know, ibuprofen, Advil, that kind of stuff and save that for race day. So there would be a maximum effect during those four days. But training was, was fine. I really, I was stressed out that I didn't feel worse. I think coming from CrossFit and being a competitor, you overtrain, so you're used to feeling pretty whooped up. And I didn't. So I was starting to get nervous that I just didn't train enough. And I'm also, you know, just a masochist. So we're, it's, it's never enough. And that's just something that like will always be there in my life as a good, and it's also a crazy thing. So uh, going into it, I was just open-minded, didn't know what to expect, but I think the training was good. Again, if you want to do formal programs, lean in, find something you like, or just pick a marker and, you know, choose two to three days a week. I would definitely train doing every other if you're highly competitive and obviously you know you know you're racing a race for time or you've done this before that's this is whole that's a whole different conversation this is if you're just doing it you're newer or you're doing a challenge you haven't done before pace through it and just try and enjoy it and get really clear on what your goals are and then train accordingly if you overtrain and don't let your body recover or you just burn your mind out it's it, by the time you get to the, the end line literally it's it's going to be pretty brutal I do recommend, these are my recommendations around training. I would get trackers. Like I said, I've got, if you're watching this on YouTube, I've got a whoop and a Fitbit. And I will be doing a whole podcast on breaking down my experience with the whoop, Fitbit, and Aura Ring and the difference between the trackers and my opinions and which ones I like the best. I've been wearing two, which is kind of extra for the past couple years. And I'm not really a big data person. Even when I went to the CrossFit Games, I was never wearing a tracker. We, I didn't count macros and do any of that. But it's been kind of cool just to get out of the box and they wouldn't do and lean into more data. So that was interesting. You do get different data from each, but it was nice. The Fitbit tracks steps. So that was kind of cool to see, you know, what days or what weeks I was doing more steps and then how the calorie burn correlated with that. So that kind of dialed my fueling. Fitbit's a little bit, or the whoop is a little bit better with the sleep and it measures your output. So I could see, you know, what days I was really tapping in and what days I should probably pull back. There was a couple of days where I thought I was going to feel great and run, you know, 15 miles. And I only did seven because I was just smoked and I really did listen to my body. And that's just something from being a longtime competitor. You know, I don't like not finishing something. If the plan is to do 20 miles, that's a plan. I don't like not doing 20 miles. And I know I've done this long enough where if you're really listening to your body and you're, you're, dialed in, don't push it. You need to be really smart because there's a lot of training days ahead and you got to be a hundred percent. In addition to other life is going on. Like there's podcasts I got to show up for things and events and whatever. So we got to keep that hundred percent. The other part about training that is good or that you just need to do is practice, obviously just getting in shape, but really understanding your fueling. I didn't know if I, you know, my first run, I was like, I'm not wearing a water bottle. Like you don't need to drink if you're running for an hour, or even two, like that's not a big deal, but come, you know, six, seven miles past that. I was actually hungry. I was surprised about that. Cause I never really eat that much eating during CrossFit competition days, maybe just light stuff. And I was super thirsty. So I bought a North face uh, hydration pack. I'll put all this gear too in this podcast. So you can see exactly what I used. It was great. It fit pretty well. I probably get something smaller next time you know, same size actual water bladder, but the pack itself is a little bit big. It's still small and, and com um, compressed, but there were some smaller versions out there. I didn't like the ones with the bottles on the front or the hip 
the hip belts where they hold your bottles. I liked this. And then in the backpack, I could put my fueling for that. I, again, I didn't think I was going to be hungry, but those long races, because I was running at a slower pace, it was more of like a ruck than a run. So I could eat. I was hungry. It was just like calorie output versus like really going hard in the gym and doing like a hard workout. And I tried to eat real food versus the processed stuff. I'm, you know, in CrossFit, I don't really eat a lot of processed foods in general. And I think some of the longer runners that do this regularly or they're really competitive can handle like these sugar gels and, you know, all the bars and stuff like that. My guts just didn't like it. I, so I did eat cliff bars and then I ate the really natural squeeze packs. I did do some of the gels, uh, Humana or Huma or something. I can't remember what it's called. Martin, this more expensive brand, like the elite ones recommended, which clearly we needed that because we were running like 15 minute miles, no big deal. All that stuff, it, it really helped. But my recommendation there is have your water, have your fuel, go practice so you know it's good for you. Everyone is individual when it comes to that. And it totally depends on your goals. If you're running it competitively, you're probably only eating gels and drinking water and that's it. If you're doing more of a ruck like me, you really do need some real food. I even, I think a banana a couple times, uh, real stuff. And then it was really big for me to hydrate and fuel really well the day before, because I probably wasn't eating as much as I should during race. So the day before I really carbo loaded big time. I was working with my nutritionist, Jackie, shout out to Jackie Miller, also uh, excellent friend, basically family, sister of CrossFit. She had me on about 200 plus carbs a day. So I was eating way more carbs than I normally do. And then the day before the big races, I tried to eat even more than that. So I felt okay. I, again, it was just more like, it felt like I was eating a lot of pasta stuff. I just don't eat anyways, not because I'm trying to gain or lose or any of that. I just don't eat it. So that really did help. So then that helped me not have to fuel during the actual like practice run or during the big race. So if you're like me and you don't want to eat a ton during the actual event, the fueling before and the hydration before is critical. Really eat a big breakfast before. And I take two hours because it is hard on your guts if you're eating a big breakfast and, and then hydrate, drink as much as you can flush your system. And find out what works for you. Read into like, you know, what these good runners and stuff suggest, but go try it because everybody's different. And a lot of stuff that was suggested for me, I just didn't like and my stomach didn't like. So I leaned more into real food. And if I was running hard, I probably would have eaten even less because I don't like food on my stomach when I'm going at a super high pace. So I probably would have leaned more into the gels and I probably would have got my system more accustomed to eating like the liquid carbohydrates and sugars and all that. There's some and shop those options. There's definitely cleaner ones than uh, some are cleaner than others in a nutshell. So the gear, I actually, this was like the big perk for me on, you know, I, I, I'm a gearhead. I'm a sneakerhead. I love all the stuff that goes with it. So it was kind of fun to get like some new running apparels, like pants that held my cell phone so I could listen to my music and looser gear. It's different than CrossFit pants that stay up because you're just compounding different sports bras, long sleeves, like just flowier stuff. So of course we printed it all in turmeric and tequila. If you watch the socials, you know, that was kind of cool. I would definitely suggest, I like the CWX uh, compression tights, not not a lot of runners were in them. They're pretty aggressive, but just with the inflammation in my knee and lower extremities, I wanted to do every single angle I could to combat inflammation because that's where the stiffness comes in my knee and it kind of throws off like my running gait and whatnot. So I liked those. They are pretty tight. And Florida, the time we were out there was early January, so it wasn't too hot. I was concerned it was going to be too hot with those, but it, it really wasn't. And then Colorado, I was running earlier in the morning, so it wasn't too hot by the time I completed the run. So heat in those pants were not a big deal. Otherwise, I just wore like super loose fitting, lightweight gear, and I got a lot off Amazon. I have all the pieces that I bought, I think, off Amazon in my Amazon store for, on my social media. So you can see all the stuff that I purchased, including the fuel, the hydration pack, Under Armour tights, tank tops all that stuff's on there. So you can see exactly what I purchased. 
shoes are a big thing. This is the one thing I, I w- went off recommendation of what people I knew that were running were wearing and what they liked. And I should have just gone to like runner's roost or something from the get-go and had the associates watch me run and then suggest a shoe because of old injuries. And I have super flat feet, blah, blah, blah. Some shoes are better than others. So I bought a new pair. I can't believe it was the Nike flies. I'll put this up when I get there. And those were awesome. They were, they do have a carbon plate, which is kind of funny. If you're not a runner, it's this plate they put in your shoe and you get like 20% return energy wise because this plate's in your shoe i think it's cheating in you know all honesty it's kind of like the grips and crossfit which i also use but everybody knows what it is i guess they're outlawed in some races but all you know you still have to show up and run a race and whatever but that plate does i guess help you run save energy and outside of that i don't know that i noticed an energy change i did notice how just my feet felt in them and the stability of my foot and just for my body and body type and the way i run i thought they were a lot better so i'm glad i made the switch right before the race i probably would not suggest that you should do not not do that. I just had blind faith because that's how we roll. We're crazy. So go early on if you're running a race and go to an actual store and have them watch you and see what works for you. Suggestions are great, but it's like nutrition. You just got to try it because it's it's what you need to do. Uh, socks, these things called elites. They're really cool. I think I actually have them on right now. I do. I don't know. You're looking at my foot on TV. Hopefully that's weird. They are awesome. They're designed to be like or features. There you go. This is how not runner am. I don't even remember the brands. We're getting we're getting into it now, and they're awesome. The way if you run or even if you walk a lot and your your sock slides down in your shoe, which drives me crazy. These are really great socks. So they're features. They're I think they're like twenty bucks a pair. They're not cheap. They're really awesome though. And running wise, I never got a blister. Knock on wood. I never got anything. My feet were super comfortable. So those are worth the spend. The next most important piece was the music. I told you earlier, I had a phone case that went on my arm that was kind of okay. It was a soft case because I didn't like like the plastic ones that open up in the screen because when it's on your arm, you can't see. So you kind of have to take it off anyway. So I just got like this sock soft case. The problem is it's on your arm. It was really hard to get my phone in and out of there. So if you're listening to like a podcast or something and there's a bunch of commercials, which I also don't like to take it in and out of that and fast forward was kind of annoying. I would shop around a couple cases if you're going to get that. Or the best option I thought was getting the pants with the side pockets where your phone can just slide in and out of that. The CWX compression pants, this would be my suggestion to them if this company's listening, didn't have that. So it was really annoying that I had to choose between a phone holder and or compression tights. I don't know why they didn't have any options with this phone holder seeing as so many runners use a phone and buy those tights, but I had to use the arm or use a vest in that pocket, but that was also kind of annoying. So my suggestion would be get the pants with the side pocket if you're using your phone for music or tracking or anything else. And that was great. If earphones, I used my earbuds, but uh, bring the case with you. So if you have to take them out, you have a really long run, they go dead. You can charge them up. They charged in the case once I took them out, but I didn't have them during that long race. So that was kind of annoying. So I would bring an extra corded pair if you have room in your backpack just as a backup if I needed music some people are running without anything I think that's crazy uh I listen to podcasts and music and just some uplifting stuff there was points when I took it out but it's I for me it was just to stay in the zone and stay focused I mean I'm quite when I'm in I'm in so that was not awesome when they ran out so have that with you I did use the app Strava that can that tracks your miles. I would suggest that there's a free version. It shows you how far you went. You can connect with other people on there that are runners. That's kind of cool. I feel like it's like the outdoorsman social media. You can load pictures and stuff. And that's that's kind of a cool tool to just have out there. And you know, between those things, you know, the the fueling, the apparel, the rest and recovery. You, Having a mindset going into something like this is really good. Be clear on your goals. 
on what you want out of this. Mine was survival. So it was really staying true to not getting into like this race pace or getting sucked into, you know, trying to compete or win or whatever. And being really smart about my fueling, staying connected to my body and how I feel, hydrating consciously the entire time, going home and, you know, right after that race, getting off my feet, getting into my compression boots, fueling and hydrating, taking anti-inflammatories and staying out of the sun and then going to bed early. Like I, for four days, I really committed to what this, you know, protocol was calling for and then did it and and did it as, as best I could. Epsom salt baths at night. And I did an ice bath on the last night. I didn't do a ton of ice during this. My body actually does really well with ice baths outside of just like ice packs on my knees because I didn't feel super inflamed. And, you know, the hotel with the ice, it was just like one more thing. So I didn't want to go, you know, haul ice and do the extra work if I didn't really feel like I needed it. So if it was available and it was easy, I probably would have did it, <clears throat> but it wasn't the Epsom salts and just the compression boots felt like enough and then extra stretching and that kind of stuff and some meditation i was pretty diligent i was pretty nervous i was not going to get through this and the thought of not finishing almost kept me up at night because i didn't but then i was like i know i need to sleep so we got to figure out just how to chill the heck out i did use uh get umbo mushrooms they were awesome there is a recharge and a charge so you take one at night it's got light lion's mane cordyceps and all these good like mushroom things to help you they're not psychedelics by the way but just to help you sleep and then help you you know get going in the morning all natural stuff i thought those were really helpful anti-inflammatories turmeric you know we take on the regular all my normal stuff i just i stuck to and then really Really trying to eat clean before and after avoiding dairy gluten that kind of stuff and eating as much real food as possible and not a ton like smaller little littler meals and literally as much carbs good carbs as you can if and and that stuff that's like you know chickpea pasta like not gluten filled pasta clean stuff potatoes or sweet potatoes the good things if you have questions on what I'll say in detail, just let me know. I'm happy to share. Overall, I, you know, I thought it was an, an incredible opportunity. I was so fortunate, A, you know, to have the time, energy, and funds to participate, but to have some people that were going to go out there and do it. And just the, the health and wellness to show up and play. Part of the reason I wanted to do this was because I wanted to do a marathon in my life, and I didn't want to just do any marathon. I wanted to do a little bit harder of a challenge, because if we're going to do it, let's do a hard one and check it off the box. Uh, but also because, you know, as I get older, like, I don't, I'm not going to say I'm not going to do this stuff. I, I, you know, now that I'm doing running and I'm in it a little bit, I'm going to stay in it, but I, you know, I want to do it now. So if you've got something on your mind, there's no better time than now. I think you should test your body regardless of what age you're at, but don't wait on stuff. Like let's, if you've got a goal in mind or you want to do something, just sign up. Don't overthink all the pieces that go with it. I am notorious for saying yes to the moment, which is serve me and not serve me in life. However, I'm also pretty good about my gut on saying yes to big things and many big things in my life that I probably should have taken the average bear, you know, a little longer to process. I just committed and that happened with my house, my car, my college. I rolled up if George Masoners are listening to the field. I is out of official visit. So I just had to go on my own and walked up to the field. And I remember one of my coach's parents are like, who are you? And I'm like, oh, I'm a recruit, but I'm not an official visit because I'm out of them, blah, blah, blah. So there's a lot of things that you just have to trust your gut on, but just show up. Don't overthink stuff. These were the three lessons that I really got out of this that were pretty big and I kind of knew they were there, but I hadn't competed in a while. So it was really nice to be back in that competitive mix, be on my toes, be nervous about showing up and completing the job. Put number one, sign up for the challenge, win or lose. The focus and training are all good directions to move in. Meaning this was, I didn't, I, you know, I signed up, we compete in the open every year. We do stuff that it's hard, but at this point I do a lot of things that I'm pretty good at or I've done for a long time. So it doesn't shift my life in any direction one way or the other too much this it did I had to really like 
you know, get the fueling together, organize time for the running, da, da, da. So it, it pulled all the extra BS out of the schedule. And that was really nice. You know, I'm taking care of my body a little bit better. I'm sleeping a little bit better. I'm more conscious about my time off. You know, we're not having as much uh, party fun, like just things we stayed in, stayed in on New Year's. So even if you're thinking about a challenge, you're like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do it. Every, even if you completely fail, if I would have done, you know, I couldn't finish the 5k, let's say I couldn't finish any of it. Even if not, before I had shown up to that first day, I had already learned and benefited from signing up for this challenge. Again, I was healthier. I was sleeping better. I was focused. Like all the residuals that went with signing up for this was enough. And intuitively because I'd done stuff before, but it was really nice to feel that again as a 43 year old now and having not signed up to compete in something in a minute, it was like, dang, all this stuff that led up to this was really, really great. And before the first day that I started, I'm like, you know, whatever happens here, like we're going to finish it. Don't get me wrong. And I am super proud of myself for committing to this, doing it and like flicking right back into the athletic mode and just getting business done. Number two, um, just get used to, I, I posted on the social media, but being okay at sucking, sucking at something new. It's so good on all levels. I knew going out there, you know, games, medals and D1 athlete, who cares about that resume? If you know me, you know, I don't, I really don't care about that stuff because it's, it's, who are you right now? What are you doing right now? And it's not your age, it's your energy. It's how you're living on the daily, all the accolades in the world, LinkedIn resume, blah, blah, blah. It doesn't matter. This is such a good practice to go do something you're really uncomfortable with. I, yes, I'm an athlete. I had run 15 years ago, but this was not in my zone. And I was getting whooped up. I told you by like kids and dudes and Tevas and stuff where I'm like, oh my God, like we're not the best one out here. We're not even close. And I'm usually not like the best one out there in anything I do, but we're, we're at the top of most things. And it's because I work my ass off at it. And I have this internal driving force to compete. I don't know. Again, some good there, some bad. <laughs> we'll continue to unpack that as we grow older. But it was really great to just be in the mix and be humble around people that were more qualified to be there than myself and that ran by me. And it was just awesome and inspiring to just be in the mix. And it was really cool to be around different kinds of athletes and see how they were like, be on the other side when they're super competitive. I was some people that ran it in like under three hours, like crazy fast times. My marathon time was like six hours or just under six hours. And it was super slow. Like I could have run it faster, but again, I didn't know how to pace it with all the running days prior. So it's all good. We got it done. And I, they could have run like three marathons at the time I completed my one. So it was cool to see them sweating it and being really intense. And I had more of this like laid back survival type energy, which is usually the other way around. I'm super pressed, like cross it, you know, like every angle matters, every game and every moment in a game mat, like all that stuff. So it was a very different approach. It was cool to be in a different mindset and just knowing I'm not going to be the best and just showing up. Such a great practice for life because nine times out of 10, most things we do, you're not a professional at, you're not good at. And as we get older, you get too comfortable and stuff. You do the same routine crap. You need to kick yourself outside the comfort zone and go do something. And so I would encourage anyone, go sign up for something, a painting class, a 5K, maybe it's a mile run, something small, just sign up for something and get in the competitive mix. I don't care how casual it is. Something flicks on inside you when there, you see people gathering and you're signing up and you're going to do something that lights a fire. And that fire is the, the fuel to life. You need to stay in that and feel that every once in a while. And it doesn't need to be a big deal. Just keep yourself in the mix. It doesn't matter if you're the worst one there. I was close to that and it's, it's all good. We have 19 medals, which also show um, to prove it. And the most important thing, this was like my ma major takeaway. Hadn't competed in a while, as I said, hadn't been in a super competitive mix, just some CrossFit competitions here and there. And like when I'm on, I'm on, like there's not really great area, whether it's, you know, a garage gym event or the CrossFit games or a, you know, D1 event, it all flicks on, but 
it was such an awakening because when I got done, I was like, you know, honestly, that wasn't that bad. And people are like, oh, you're not giving yourself enough credit. Da, da, da. I'm like, well, I'm just going to keep it real. I'm super proud of myself for the training, the commitment, competing for four days out there, you know, really by myself, which I wanted to do that because the schedule's brutal. You're going to bed at 7 p.m. You're up at three. Like you don't want to travel with anyone. Then they're annoyed. And that's the whole thing that you got to deal with. So doing it by myself, staying in it, just keeping my mind on the mission. And if I'm honest, I've done a lot of hard athletic things. This was by far not the hardest thing I've ever done. I stuck to the plan. I didn't know what to expect. So that's part of it. But being six hours on my feet or almost six hours, in retrospect, I probably would have run harder and smoked my cardio, but got off my feet sooner. So it was just less hard on my body. But we didn't know that. I didn't have the intel of that. And I wanted to stick to the plan. I wanted to commit to what the you know, the, the, the goal was, and that was just to be smart, stay in it and complete it. So it's, it's all good. You know, I I wasn't the best out there, but once I was done, you know, and I ran those last two miles, I'm like, this is not that bad. We just ran almost 50 miles in four days and I'm okay. And here I was, you know, three weeks ago or two weeks ago, a few days before being like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this. And it was such an, an awesome lesson reminder that most things in life, the challenge is not as big as it appears. And again, there are two different kinds of challenges, ones we choose and things in life that, you know, often are as big as they appear or maybe even bigger. The ones we choose, stuff like this you sign up for. Yeah, it's hard. It's a lot. I'm very proud of myself. And if I'm really honest, this is not even close to the hardest thing I've done athletically in my life. Definitely not life-wise. That's a whole other podcast. But it's it wasn't that bad. And having a plan, a strategy and committing to it, all the more reason and metaphor for life. If you do have a plan strategy, things are going to come up. Universe, God, Madonna are going to do what they want, but you can still navigate the course. If you're staying with it, you're staying with your plan and you're staying strategic in how you move through that operation, you're going to be okay. So however big it seems, this is my words to you. Just sign up for it and know that more than likely when you get there and you get in it, it's not as hard as you think it's going to be. I promise. And that sounds like such a generalization and such a something like, you know, throwing caution to the wind and then just having like be able to let that go. But it's really not, it's not that bad. You're going to be okay. So just lean in. And as I said before, if you, even if you fail and you don't, you know, finish the race or whatever the challenge you signed up for, all the things you did leading up to it are already a win. You've already dialed in things and made good decisions for your life all the way around. One good decision leads to another. So you're already winning in that capacity. The final note, what's cool about Disney is that they are all about the swag and the experience you pay to go. It's not cheap. I think it was like 600 and something days, dollars for the four days. And then you got to be there a day early. You leave a day late because the races are long. So it's like, I think it was like five or six days of hotels and Ubers. It's kind of a lot. And the fueling and the whole thing. Uh, but they do give you a shirt for every single race. These are the shirts. I'll put these up on social media. There's the 5K. Here's the 10K. Here's the half. And then here's the full. And then they give you the challenges. Like if you're doing one of the challenges, the goofy challenge was the 5K, 10K half marathon. Completing all those, you get a shirt and a medal. And then I'm wearing the dopey challenge with the 5K, 10K half full with the medal. And then you get a medal for every single race. So I'm sure you can hear the clanging. But here are all the medals. You know, it's, <laughs> I'm not, gonna lie there's the 5k put this down here is the 10k they're really cool i don't know if you can see them but they're metal they're super nice here is the half and they all correlate with the shirts colors and then there's the full marathon medal and then you, if you completed the one through three days you got a goofy challenge medal and then if you completed all four you got this dopey challenge medal it even turns on if you can see the lights on this it's pretty cool it's, it's pretty it's awesome it's it, you know amazing you get a lot of medals in my opinion for an incredible challenge 
And, you know, having competed at a D1 level or just doing hard things in life, I talk about this all the time in CrossFit, like let go of this mentality of, oh, you need a gold star every time you do something. This is amazing. I'm super excited about it. And if I'm honest, it's a little bit gluttonous. This is a lot of medals for, you know, running four days in a row. It's it's amazing. I love them. And, you know, competing in CrossFit for 12, 13 years, I think I have three medals total, one from the CrossFit Games. That really means a lot. So it's cool, but it was kind of an example. I laughed when I, I showed him to, I brought him into CrossFit and showed him to my dad. And I'm like, dude, it's so funny. We did so many years of CrossFit. We don't even have close to this many medals. Well, he does have three masters gold medals. Let's let that be known. But we, you just do so much work to get just a couple. And this is, you know, four days and you get like seven medals. <laughs> so it's crazy, but they're cool. And I'm really, I think Disney did a really good job honoring us in the pursuit. But another life lesson. It really made me think of all the times that I really did do even harder things. And I don't even think people knew about it. There's not only not no metal, there's no like on social media, there's no pat on the back, but how many people that you know in your life that are doing extraordinary things and they don't get any medal for it. And honestly, they probably don't even expect it. They're just doing what they do and giving out of the kindness of their heart or showing up for their family or getting a paycheck, whatever. They're just doing it. So my takeaway on that is recognize all the things in your life where you're never getting a medal, you're never getting an accolade. And it was a really, really hard thing that you probably should have and just let it be, you know, that you don't even need that medal. If you need to call me, I'll, I'll give you one. I have a few here, but just give yourself a pat on the back, knowing the satisfaction that you completed something or did something or continuously showing up and you're just doing it. Cause even when there is no medal, I think that in itself is really awesome. And if you know someone that is doing a really hard thing, a chosen challenge or a life challenge, go give them a, some kudos. Say, I see you. I appreciate what you're doing. Just so you know what you're doing inspires me, or you make me a better coach, a better athlete, a better parent, a better person. That stuff. I think our words outside of physical medals go a really long way when people see it, feel seen and heard and you acknowledge them doing hard things. We have so many incredible people walking amongst us that are everyday heroes and their actions go thankless and they never expect it. They never, you know, they don't do it for the gold medal or for the star or for the CrossFit Games or anything. They're just doing it because that's life. And those are our true heroes. Those are what, you know, all these are reminders for. There's people out there doing hard things all the time. So we got to give them some gold stars and some love. Be proud of yourself. Go shine up for a challenge, whether you get 10 medals or not, or t-shirts. Go do something. It was such a phenomenal experience for me. No, I have not run a single step since. So that's a thing. But I do plan on keeping running in my life. It was really nice to be in a meditative state and just have some space by myself and be outdoors and just take this concentrated chunk of time to be with me. And honestly, it was really great for the podcast because I had this concentrated time to listen to episodes back and see where I can continue to level up as a host and all these things that I want to improve on. So it was really good just to have that brain chill meditative space. I can't say enough for people out there. Go just go sign up for something, a rowing machine, whatever your body and your mind allows you or time or schedule, go, go do something, take on a challenge and see all the good that comes alongside choosing that challenge. It kind of directs your life and gets your life in order. If you want to do the Dopey Challenge again, let me know. I will not not do it with you probably, but I will cheer you on and I can show you the medals or the shirts or give you suggestions on the plans on where to stay. Anything like that. I got you. I will put up all the links to the stuff of the gear that I use. Most of it's on the Amazon store and shoes and fueling. I'll share all that. I'll share other closer pictures of these medals, but that's it. Go choose hard things. Have a great day. Hopefully I'll see you at a starting line soon. Cheers. Thank you for joining Turmeric and Tequila with your host, Kristen Olson. Tune in next time and don't forget to subscribe on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen.